Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged, uh, the highlight of my week. Um, sincere appreciation, as always, to uh, uh, international following. And um, again, very humbled to have this opportunity to do this and present um, the collective knowledge that Julie and myself share. But I, I always defer to myself as a perpetual student, um, continually learning from individuals. And uh, just my new textbook came in the mail. This, this is what I read, which is see, Neuropsychological Assessment of Neuropsychiatric and Neuromedical Disorders. So this is my rough, fun reading material for the next few weeks. Uh, but I think it's really important to stay on top of uh, the field, on top of uh, psychology and psychiatry, because it is, a, is an ever-changing field, especially with the end, you know, the advances in technology. Um, so I appreciate all the comments. Um, I keep working on you know, the longest part of what I do is writing my neuropsych evals because they do take a long period of time, but um, I do get them done, and I am confident at the end of that that it is an accurate picture of whoever it is that I am doing an assessment for. So uh, it's really fun to talk to a lot of people this week, and it's interesting. Uh, the personality disorders are probably the ones that I get the most calls about, um, emails, texts. Uh, it, it is one area that I really enjoy and something that definitely comes across in my area in terms of treatment um, or diagnostics of, of per, you know, various personality disorders. So I'm going to cover one that I have not covered yet. I may have alluded to it. I know I've been doing the eating disorders, but I got several people this week. Again, the, the, the way the trends come, and it's interesting how they come from not just um, – it's like my next door neighbor or my friend, we had this idea. It's like somebody in Spain and then somebody in California kind of say, hey, can you talk about this? So um, I'm going to talk today about paranoid personality disorder. And as our podcast has uh, been blessed to grow at the size that it has, I uh, I know I go off sometimes on tangents and uh, I'll probably do that today, but I've been more um, diligent about making notes and um Organize it my, myself in a more systematic manner because, I, again, I know a lot of people, like I said, like I think I said last week, uh, say they take notes during the podcast, and uh, a lot of professionals who listen uh, across diff different disciplines take notes. So I will try and present uh, some of these topics when I'm getting into more of the specifics of, of the disorders uh, in a much more clinical and systematic approach uh, versus if I talk about spirituality and uh, God that's more just kind of like off the top of my head. Okay, paranoid personality disorder. Let's start with the diagnostic criteria. All right, first thing, okay, now the hard part is reading what I write. All right. Uh, pervasive distrust and suspiciousness of others, such that their motives are interpreted as malevolent, evil, okay? Um, one, they often suspect with, without any, any sufficient basis that others are exploiting them, harming them, deceiving them, okay? Um, two, they're... they're, they're Overly preoccupied with unjustified doubts about the loyalty and trustworthiness of friends or associates, constantly thinking that somebody's out to get them. And again, this is not psychosis. I'll talk about a little bit about that in a bit. Um, we got three 
these individuals are reluctant to confide in others because of an unwanted fear that the information is going to be maliciously used against them. So sometimes in treatment, it can be tough. And I, I've, I've worked with people where they thought, um, you know, they asked me to turn my laptop off because they thought that the camera was uh, recording, secretly recording them. Or they've, you know, gone around the office and looked for hidden cameras or were convinced that there were bugs um, planted. Uh, four, they read hidden demeaning or threatening messages uh, into really benign events or marks. So they, they're always looking to confirm that something or someone is out to get them for the worse. Uh, they persistently bear grudges. They are for unforgiving of insults, injuries, or slights. Uh, they, they, these, these individuals are, are really unforgiving because, again, their whole uh, personological structure is one of mistrust and a deliberate attempt to want to confirm their beliefs of suspiciousness that the world is out to get them. Uh, they perceive attack on their character or reputation that are not apparent to others, and and they react. They get pretty angry, and they often counterattack. So they're very hypersensitive to. So you must figure that in these individuals, a self-esteem is pretty fragmented and pretty um, pretty low. If if you know you're going to react with you know a, a, re, the reaction is disproportionate to whatever perceived slight may have occurred. Um, they have recurrent suspicions without, again, without justification regarding the, the you know, the fidelity of their spouse. So who was, so they're sitting on the couch and, uh, someone's, his, his wife's phone rings. Who is that? Oh, it's, I'm talking to John. Oh, must be having an affair with John. They go right there. They, they, so being in a relationship with somebody with paranoid personality disorder can be very, very difficult. And if you see, there's, there's, um, some similarities here with borderline. Um, and it's not uncommon to diagnose paranoid personality disorder and borderline personality disorder simultaneously if they meet the diagnostic criteria. But the essential feature of paranoid personality is really that pervasive pattern of distrust and suspiciousness of others and that the motives are evil, that people are out to get them. Um, Let's see what else we I write here. So individuals with with, with paranoid personality disorder, they're, they're they're assuming without any justification or cause that people are going to exploit them, harm them, deceive them, uh, without any any relevance whatsoever. Um, they, they they really become almost preoccupied uh, with unjustified doubts of loyalty, uh, constantly second. It's really is there's very little insight. Um, in individuals with paranoid personality disorder because they have a highly externalized locus of control, meaning it's, it's they don't have any, the, the world has slighted me or they perceived in early childhood there has been some hurt. Like I've said in the personality disorder episodes, personality is crystallized between five and eight years of age. Um, something must have happened that caused the individual to, to adopt a stance uh, that the world is really hostile and is out to get them. 
Um, so, you know, it makes it difficult, you know, if they're, they're reluctant to confide in or, or, or talk to other people because they think the information is going to be used against them. It, building a therapeutic relationship is pretty tough with an individual with paranoid personality disorder. Uh, it can, can it be done? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Rorschach is great at picking up, uh, this, uh, so is the MMPI. There's a specific scale, um, on the MMPI for, for paranoid. Um, and you know the, the other thing is um, this is not psychotic and you have to sometimes question is is the person's paranoia legitimate um, you know did, did some major transgression take place in early development that caused them to adopt this stance and you know as infants and our personalities are, are developing uh, you would think, yeah, for for all the personality disorders, and you know, I, I, I you know, people have asked, um, can you develop a personality disorder, you know, later in life? And the answer to that is no. Um, you could become you could become different in terms of how you act and how you, um, you know behave or change your opinions, but personality disorders originate in early childhood and adolescence. Um, these individuals, they also bear grudges. Uh, they don't, they don't forgive people. Um, and they, they harbor these feelings of hostility for a long period of time. Um, so th these individuals are also very difficult to get along with because they have problems, uh, not only forming, but maintaining close relationships. Uh, the excessive suspiciousness and hostility, it can be expressed in really like overt argumentative, argumentativeness, um, uh, recurrent complaining, or sometimes by passive aggressive behaviors. So you would think it's pretty hard to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't trust you or you don't trust. So you're constantly on the lookout. And this is, you know, for individuals with this disorder, it's, it's kind of exhausting. Uh, it, it, it's kind of exhausting. It can even lead to disorders such as agoraphobia or uh, obsessive compulsive tendencies. If you're constantly on this lookout for perceived injury and you're seeing this world as a very hostile and dangerous place uh, and other people are the culprits of it, um, it can sometimes border on um, delusional disorder uh I'll, i don't think i've done a topic on delusional disorder again which is a, again non-psychotic but it, it is a specific disorder one that um i do diagnose quite frequently um because the the the, the person with paranoid personality disorder is so hyper vigilant for these potential threats uh they're going to act very guarded uh secretive uh they have kind of a devious manner, and they 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 tend to be very cold, and lack any kind of tender feelings. Okay, these are not warm and fuzzy people. Um, if you always got your radar on for who's going to be hurting you, that's what you're looking to confirm. Uh, it's like a confirmation bias. You want to you're looking for information, and you're seemingly distorting information to confirm that yep the world's a hostile place yep you're out to get me uh someone's whispering in the corner oh you must be they, they're talking about me see they're talking about when, when, like what are you talking about no one's talking i wasn't talking about you i was talking you know about the you know the hockey game the other night um they can appear objective rational unemotional um and they they 
they display a labile range of affect. Uh, labile means kind of all, all over the place. Um, hostile, stubborn, sarcastic expressions. The, those are the kind of the more predominating uh, emotions that come across. Uh, again, very the antithesis of that kind of warm and fuzzy. Um, their combative and suspicious nature uh, really... Um, can elicit a hostile response from other people, and you know, which then confirms their original expectations. So this is where it gets difficult to treat because they already already come across as distrustful, sarcastic, um, stubborn, hostile. That generally is, that 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 disposition is generally not going to elicit a warm response in a social interaction. And then if the other person kind of reacts like, "Hey, dude, I want nothing to." What do you nothing to do with you? They that just confirms that their mindset is right, that they should be paranoid, that and they don't view themselves as being paranoid because their mindset is no, people are people are talking about me, people are out to get me, people are going to harm me. So again, uh, a constant state of psychological survival, very similar to the borderline personality. Um be, because <sighs> Because they lack the trust in others, they, they have an excessive need to be self-sufficient and a strong need for autonomy. These are these uh they don't they don't share or play well with others. Okay? Um they have a they have a strong these are people like get, who are building you know bunkers um you know under their ground for remember why I think Y2K and uh, this is this is that kind of population, you know, where they they you know hoarding you know, tons of you know canned items, and you know, for the for the the apocalypse. Um, so that's that that's that's that that strong sense of autonomy, and you know, this is the person. Um, you know, I think not, not not that he had it, but just like a, an example. You remember the movie Meet the Parents um, when you know they're out at the the dance before the wedding rehearsal. Or the, I think it was the rehearsal wedding, and Robert De Niro um, make a phone call, and Ben Stiller's trying to find his bag, and Robert De Niro, you know, calls his uh, voicemail, looking, you know, um, to, to check his voicemail, and he kind of turns his back towards Ben Stiller because he doesn't want to see him punching the code. Now that he wasn't paranoid, but that that would be an example of like what somebody with paranoid personality disorder would do overly suspicious so if you know writing you know these individuals are you know they're not going to they're going to pay for cash they're going to pay cash they're not going to be handing a credit card to someone at a restaurant because they're going to believe that the waiter wrote down in uh their credit card information and stole their identity uh and they can become accusatory that people are you know if you look at their you know their work with this person you look at their desk like what are you looking at be very secretive uh in you know, in their mindset, it's I have to protect myself because someone is out to harm me, um, and they and they they really exercise. They, they they also need to have a high degree of control around people around them. So, they're going to generally associate with people who are more dependent um, versus someone who would be like, "See you later, dude." I mean that 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 that's the person that's going to confirm that their mindset is right. Um, uh, but they, they have a need to want to control people around them. Uh, they're very rigid. They're critical of others, uh, unable to collaborate. And they have 
a tremendous difficulty accepting criticism themselves. God forbid you tell them because they interpret that as you're gonna you're out to get me. Uh, so can you imagine you know uh, annual employee uh, review? With somebody with paranoid personality disorder, not going to go too well. It's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, so criticism is something that is not accepted well, and they don't see it as criticism. They see it as critique, and that you're trying to break down the armor, get inside their heads, get inside, you know, their their their, their psyche. Um, they have a very quick uh, ability to counterattack in response to any kind of. Uh, perceived threats around them um and they can be uh they can be litigious you know they they could you know file false claims uh take you to court uh again very not not very rational thinking but if you're paranoid uh it's almost as if you know if you're going to take someone to court for something that really is pretty innocuous um you're harboring a pretty huge grudge and really are viewing the world through lenses that um of just i mean living a life of constant paranoia i think is incredibly exhausting and in, in working with individuals again doing diagnostics it's a little different but i've i've had people like i may be writing something or what are you writing well i'm taking notes let me see no why not I'm writing the notes about you. This is your eval. Um, there's that, that that quickness to want to like like jump on you and 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 react. Uh, again, preservation of the sense of self, uh, which is fragmented. Um, so these individuals uh, they seek to confirm their their preconceived negative notions regarding people or situations uh, that they encounter and. Um, and they're really projections of their own fears. Um, they, they, what were they right? Oh, they exhibit uh, hidden, unrealistic, grandiose fantasies um, and really develop negative attitudes of other people pretty quickly, um, particularly from individuals that are similar to their own. Um, Again, these individuals do not play well with others. Uh, they do not do well in groups. Um, you're stealing their ideas. Uh, you're 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 taking credit away from the individual. Um, so you can see why people would pull away from that, and then that why the, how that can re or confirm or further enhance that 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 schema or that mindset that the world is out to get them um some people um some people per perceive them as fanatics and and they can form cults um with groups of other people who share those uh same ideas, you know, conspiracy theorists, you know, you know, people gather around a centralized idea. So, I mean, most of us associate with people who have like-minded ideas, uh, which is not a bad thing, but I think it's also good to have healthy arguments and not in an aggressive way, but disagreements in, in an intellectual way. And, you know, all they always say, you never talk about religion or politics. And I think there's some truth to that. And you see this uh, in our society in the United States, which is 
fractured and torn and misinformation and um that's a whole other topic in and of itself but um yeah i mean they 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 form other groups to to confirm ideas you know it's like going to church you're going to church with people who share a common belief system independent of what religion that is you're going you know everybody's there to share a similar belief i'm not saying the church is a cult i think other people do think it's a cult um but again that's a different topic for a different podcast that i can do you know religion and god are not the same thing um but in response to stress um it's important to note that in response to stress an individual with paranoid personality disorder um, they may experience a very brief truly psychotic episode that can last from a few minutes to, to hours um and in some situations, in instances, um, paranoid personality disorder can, can be the pre-morbid um, antecedent of delusional disorder or full-blown schizophrenia. Um, they can also develop a depressive disorder, um, and they are, like I said, they're definitely at an increased risk for uh, agoraphobia and obsessive compulsive disorder and uh, alcohol and substance abuse is very common among this, this population and you know common co-occurring personality disorders with this the most common one is uh, narcissistic and borderline uh, schizotypal to some extent I think I've done one on that and, and schizoid and avoidant so you know if you get to the point of agoraphobia you're basically which is just this is the hermit you're just shutting out the world and you're believing what you know everybody is out to get you and uh, that's a very lonely life could lead to hoarding could lead to um, you know trash piling up in the house because I don't want my trash out because I don't want you to go through it and see my address and you know you, so this you know i think family history um you know is definitely if there's a family history of schizophrenia uh this individual is definitely at an elevated risk of developing uh, a truly psychotic disorder uh, but paranoid personality disorder in and of itself is not a psychotic disorder it's a personality it, it's the it's the totality of the disposition of an individual their belief about themselves other people the world around them and the conclusions that they draw and paranoia can be very very difficult and and it, it is it i think someone asked me is it is it is there such a thing as a healthy level of paranoia and i think there's a healthy level for all of us to be aware uh, there's a healthy level of us to be conscientious and cautious depending on the situation, but to live a life of utter and complete, um, uh, just fear and, and, and anger and hostility and mistrust uh, you can see how it certainly could, could deteriorate a, a relationship um, you know, if, if the person, male or female, is constantly a asking their their partner, "Are you cheating on me? Are you cheating on me?" It's gonna be like, "Look, you know, I'm tired of being asked this." And, I, and I've seen this in clinical practice. Um, you know, it, it's 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 exhausting for the individual. Um, 
I, there's a there's a range. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own office, and you know, the checking the doors and the windows, and some people want you know the blinds closed, and um, you know, and again, I'm I'm, I'm observing this, and I'm, I'm not judging it, but um, you know, their logic is it's it's hard sometimes to find. It's easier in borderline, um, but it's harder sometimes to find in paranoia. Um, why where are you generalizing all this to you know uh borderline it's a little easier but the generalization that, that, that this entire world is out to get them and that people are deceptive and people are are uh there's hidden meetings uh hidden meanings behind things and these unjustified doubts about loyalty or trustworthiness and and then if you surround yourself with people who are like-minded it just serves to espouse that that ideological system must indeed you know be you know be um gospel be, be the absolute truth so it's a difficult, easy disorder to diagnose, a difficult disorder to treat. Um, and again, there is a, um, uh, <clears throat> I'm not saying walk through the world blindly, but walking through the world, uh, can, you, can you treat the disorder? Yes. Uh, it takes building a very strong therapeutic relationship with the individual um, in order to gain their trust. Um, but they generally, people with personality disorders generally do not come in um, to traditional psychotherapy saying that I think I have a personality disorder. Now, caveat to that is I have tons of people calling me to want to see me thinking they may have a personality disorder, which um, they're not in therapy, but they think, you know, presenting information at, at uh, many people who, who follow us and listen to us. Um, they come into thinking it, but the I, I don't think people generally in in the general sense enter traditional psychotherapy saying I think I have a personality disorder. Now you know, um, so 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 with with, with it with you know cognitive behavioral therapy does work with uh, paranoia, um, and it's really you have to build a very strong and solid foundation with the individual that they 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 can trust you. And I'm not saying you want the individual to you know, walk all over you and just have here here's the keys to the office and you know have free access um, to anything you want on my desk. No, that's that's, that's not going to happen. But the goal is to. Um, really deconstruct and find where did this original insult kind of come from and and reduce the generalization um but if, if you confront somebody with with paranoid personality disorder uh, right away uh they're gonna they're not i doubt they're gonna come back for another session um and i doubt they're probably going to go on a second date because You've just confirmed in their distorted thinking and their distorted schemas and mindset um, that they're right. Um, and all of us, we have our personalities. And I think one of the scariest things is for any of us is to have our belief systems questioned, independent of whether they're right or wrong, good or bad, different. Uh, you know, and that's a scary thing that that. Um, it, it is, it's part of therapy, but it can be very liberating that if, you know, your belief systems are uh, of what constitutes your personality are causing you distress and 
causing distress to other people and those around you, uh, if you can change those things, and it would definitely improve quality of life and level a degree of happiness and and security and you know a whole other host of benefits. But uh, it's really building a very strong therapeutic alliance and helping the individual with paranoid personality disorder see that the world is not as scary and and distrustful and evil and angry and mean. That that did it, but it doesn't mean that that some certain people can't be uh it doesn't mean certain institutions uh but the goal is to just you know these so, so if you go back to the irrational beliefs episode i did it you know intellectualization overgeneralization dichotomous thinking these are very characteristic qualities of the individual paranoid personality disorder um but you know you got to be very careful and know what you're doing in terms of treatment of paranoid personality disorder because if you you know they're looking for confirmation that you're going to hurt them they're looking for confirmation that you're going to disagree with them they're looking to, for confirmation that the world is a hostile and dangerous place but as a, as always with 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 the personality disorders they can be treated uh, and there is a lot of comorbidity with paranoid personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. So hopefully I was able to draw that distinction uh, because both, you know, see the world as a hostile place. They see other people as, you know, waiting to only a matter of time before you're going to hurt me. Uh, they are two different personality disorders in and of themselves, but they share a, a sense of overlap in a very, very fragmented and very, very fragile sense of self. Uh, and living, living, in a, living every day, viewing the world as a hostile place, uh, I think is incredibly exhausting. Uh, it, 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 it's crippling in terms of uh, relationships and um I mean, I think from my experience, borderline is much easier to treat than paranoid personality, um, but it can be treated successfully. Uh, you just want to get the get that get the correct diagnosis because it is a precursor and a possible precursor to delusional disorder and to full blown schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. Uh, but again, it is not a psychotic disorder by nature, even though it's called paranoia, and paranoia can occur during uh, active uh, psychosis. And, you know, we'll, we'll revisit that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people want to talk about, I wanted Julia to talk about um, antipsychotics and the effects and treatment for psychosis. I think we did an episode a while ago, but um, I think we got one or two personality disorders left that I haven't covered. Uh, I'm sure I'll circle back to borderline because that's the one that everybody seems to enjoy the most. Um, but Julia, anything you wanna? Oh, uh, Julia just got in. I'm talking about paranoid personality disorder. <laughs> and, and no, he, I, I wanted to do the. Oh, the, oh there, there's something that Julie wants to add that is something that is becoming uh, growing near and dear to her heart, uh, and I think it's something. I'll, I'll add my uh, piece on it, but I, I know Julie wanted to uh, mention this. But uh, questions about paranoid personality disorder, uh, feel free to reach out, and I'll get back on when Julie's done. Hi, everybody. Uh, if, you, if you've been following the um, Instagram, you probably have been seeing that I've been posting a lot about this very important, I'd like to say, her name is Ashley Avis, A-V-I-S. 
She is um, she's the director and producer of the new Black Beauty, which is the Disney new Disney film. The story behind that is which I realized yesterday when I was watching this documentary that she's just done called Wild Beauty um, is is such an important um, documentary to watch. It's on Prime. It's called Wild Beauty. Um, it's just been released very recently. I think it's about $10 to buy. I don't know how much it is to rent. Um, but when Ashley Avis and her husband, I believe Richard, he's also one of the directors, I believe, of Black Beauty, when they were out um, in the West um, looking to film, if I'm, if I'm at all correct, looking to looking for the wild horses um, so that they could, um, you know, film, you know, and just, what they found was when they went out there, uh, they not only saw a, a depletion of wild horses and population, she was sort of like growing up loving wild horses her entire life. I don't want to speak for her, but I'm just kind of par- kind of letting you know the gist um, of the the context behind of why it's so important to me and now Corey um, is that while she was out there, what they witnessed was a roundup. It was a helicopter roundup. Um, so these helicopters, um, quite against, I believe it's against the law. That it is definitely against the law. I guess Richard Nixon back in the day did something right. Um, sorry, but said that. But but he he actually enforced an act and passed an act through Congress protecting wild horses and preserving them on on free conservation. And they are supposed to be protected. But the people that are helicoptering and capturing these horses, they're rounding them up by helicopter. The horses are dying. They're getting severely injured. And so they capture them and then they put them on trucks and they, they, they send them to workplaces. They send them to say they're for sale. They, you have no idea that it's just horrible. They send them for slaughter. And the, if you watch the film, I just started to watch it. It's very, very evocative and intensely moving. And to see such beautiful creatures that are so innocent and defenseless, unable to protect themselves don't bother anybody, but are really a very strong, important part of our ecosystem, like so many other other things in that are that is nature, that should not be disturbed. So um, Ashley Avis started this documentary to shed light on what is illegally happening to these um, wild horses in the United States. Um, the, the, there's salt. There, there are several. Um, species of horses um, that are being attacked. But these in particular, horses are being sold for slaughter all over the place. They're being misused and abused for entertainment purposes. Don't get me started. I could go on and on all day. We've all seen what happens to horses in the city who uh, collapse. We've all, we all saw that um, TikTok. Um, the cruelty that um, is just the abuse and neglect. I don't want to go on and on about it, but I want you to watch this documentary, please. On a side note, um, I we have been following the ASPCA Right Horse, which is an adoption-sponsored um, uh, um, opportunity for people to adopt uh, horses that are being sold for slaughter, horses that are in, you know, uh, 
racetrack horses are a, a huge part of the population. So ASPCA right horses going all around the country, um, trying to um, get these horses adopted. Um, it, it is a challenge um, because what I think ultimately I, what my dream would be is to have equine therapy um, to help people who don't respond to traditional therapy and treatment. There, I would suggest that you look around where you live for equine therapy because it's, it's very major and I think it's going to be a sign of our future, um, at least as another form of treatment, as a uh, treatment modality. Um, please uh, help. I'm just, thank you for listening to me on this platform. Um, I have to use it for good. We love you guys. Thank you for your beautiful messages and your stories. Um, we've heard so many stories, especially as of late. Um, you know, people who are consistently supportive. Um, you know, we, we're greatly appreciative of being able to be here for you, even if it's just a phone call away, a text or an email. Please don't hesitate. And if you are an equine therapy person or you have a farm in the United States and you want to help, Please reach out to us um, because we we're just we're exploring our options. Thank you. Love you guys. God bless you. Yeah. So that was something that I, Julie had brought up, and I started following, and always loved horses, even though I'm from Chicago in the city. But we've talked about uh, adopting uh, some horses and finding a farm and uh, equine therapy is really a very viable and effective form of treatment. And I've, I've recommended it a lot uh, for individuals, kids with autism, uh, great kids with uh, social anxiety, um, uh, helping kids develop a sense of empathy. It's a very, very viable thing. I know Julie, um, Julie kind of has a different you can see your heart pours out to it, um, but I see it as something that maybe is going to become part of our our clinical practice at, at some point in the near future. Um, but uh, yeah, I I've only seen a bit of the the uh, the documentary. It's it, it's definitely quite moving. Um, but again, this is not a soapbox. It's just a, a piece that you know I I think independent of where you live. No human or animal uh, should suffer or experience torture. So, um, not going to get too preachy on that. Uh, until next time, feel free to reach out to me at psychology unplugged at outlook.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me through psychology today. You can follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore <coughs> you can contact me directly 617-750-9411 east coast standard time in the united states julie has one more thing she wants to say <laughs> you shoot me away okay the reason why i found this was through on instagram i am rona mitra i've mentioned her before I don't want to speak for her, but she was a Hollywood actress, got tired of the, the crap, the game, the narcissism, and was diagnosed with MS. She w sold everything. She bought 600 acres in Uruguay 
and her life's mission is to save horses. She has um, a an Instagram site called uh, Last Ark Orphanage. She rescues horses from slaughter. She does this, um, and her, like all equine therapists say thus far, is that the horses have healed her. She doesn't have MS. Um, she's she's healthy um, because of her relationship with horses. And I think it's just about, you know, dogs and cats, therapy animals. Horses are therapy animals, and um, they have a lot to teach us. So that is who I originally learned about this, um, the slaughter of horses and the separation of mares from their babies. Um, and uh, it, it's just, it's horrific. So thank you for listening. Please check it out on Instagram and uh, help out when, however you can. Thanks for adding that in. So we've, we've covered paranoid personality disorder and we've covered horses. So, uh, but Bruce Springsteen, Julie's reached out to him and his daughter, Jessica Springsteen, who are avid horse lovers and fans. Uh, so hopefully good chance to get, get them connected in some way with working with us. Um, all right. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Two great horse songs though, by the way, that Springsteen wrote one silver Palomino and two wild horses. Check it out. Both awesome songs. Bye guys.